for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh my goodness, y'all. What a time to be in the hills. It's October. The bows are hit in the closet and the smoke sticks are coming out. The chill is back in the air and the colors on the mountain. It's incredible. And for some of you out there, the snow is already hitting the ground. But guess what, y'all? Bugles are still ringing through the hills. It's an incredible time to be hunting elk out west. On today's show, Joe and I want to help those early to mid-October rifle hunters with all sorts of questions. Can I still call elk? What are the best ways to get on a bull now? What if I'm hunting cow elk? Do I still need to worry about the thermals? What effect will snowfall have on finding elk? Those topics, along with some tips for my elk bro shout outs, and along with some perfect questions for this time of year from our elk bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair and adjust your volumes just right. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello again, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue-collar hunters out there following our show, grinding it out every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show from Spring, Texas, and joining me from Cimarron, New Mexico, your elk hunting coach, Joe Gillia. What's up, Joe? Hey, Gilbert, man. Hey, bro. September is gone. Glad to be back and missing the elk woods already brother <laughs> yeah it, it was it was totally incredible i mean um you know it, it was real interesting september was interesting i mean it, it brought some difficulties i mean and i'm not talking about the difficulties that we had personally sure, sure. but you know there was just a general theme here in new mexico through different parts colorado where i was at guiding that you know we had extreme heat man heat wave that hit a lot of things and so it made it tough. I mean, it made it tough for a lot of guys. And, uh, you know, it was really cool. Let me tell you what was cool, Gilbert, is, you know, when, when you're out here and you're getting a text from somebody on the top of a mountain in Colorado, New Mexico, Idaho, and they're like, hey, Joe, <laughs> you know. I know, this, man. It's been, yeah, it's, it's been epic. It really has been. And then to top it all off, you get to spend some time with some of the elk gods of the world. I mean, just unbelievable stuff that you've been able to accomplish, Joe. We have you and Chav and y'all's vision for all of this to thank, man. It's been so awesome. Yeah, and and 
Chav, this one's for you tonight, bro. You're not here. Um, he's a little down, and we'll talk about that another time. Uh, but uh, uh, I just want Chav, you know, when he's listening to this, you know. Uh, just know we love you, man, and we're praying for you, brother. You betcha. So we're going to keep going with that. And and I'm going to make sure that we're killing it when we do this, all right? Amen. So, Amen. yeah, September's there. And, you know, it's funny because, Gilbert, I keep seeing uh, uh, people like, uh, you know, on Instagram and stuff. They're, they're putting little crying faces and go, September's gone. You know what? I mean, y'all ought to be putting some smiling faces because October's here, but you know. Some of the best uh, times I've spent in the Elkwoods have been in October. These bugles are going mad just sounding off all day and all night, Joe. And you said the exact thing earlier when you were talking about like the colors. I mean, the mountains this time of year are just, it's going through that transition just like the elk are. And it is just beautiful, man. And and, gosh, where was it? Montana? I just got 40 inches of snow last week. Unbelievable. Yeah, I got some buddies of mine that are mule deer hunting up there, and they're like, we're snowed in. I'm like, what? It's crazy, man, for sure. uh, Let's see. We had a chance just recently. We did a – I was able – I was privileged to do a podcast with with Michael Waddell and and with Eric Dunn and those guys. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know – I, I'm, I was guiding at the time, and you know, a lot of people look at that and they look at stories and they go, "Well, these guys are on private ranches," you know. And and I look, I am a blue collar guy. That's yeah. that's what I do. But like I tell everybody out there, I I have worked with people at all income levels. You see me, I'm a bologna and and, and bologna and cheese guy yeah, with, and yeah, yep, and uh, I, I hunt in tennis shoes. But I tell you what, I'm, I, I am. I am not one of them dudes that look at other people and their opportunities and judge anything. And, and I can tell you one thing that I have learned as a guide, as a hunter, meeting all these different people is that bottom line is just people that love to hunt. And, you know, we can sit back and throw pot shots, do whatever we want. But, you know, I got to watch, you know, and, and you guys heard on the podcast, I, I don't know Mike Waddell. I didn't until this, until I got to spend, you know, a weekend camp with him and, and experience, you know, helping him to find his bull and what he was going through and his relationship with the guys that were in camp. And, you know, seeing all these guys together, I, I'm going to tell you guys, um, I don't know what you think. Uh, and I've, you asked me, you said Wadi and all this. I don't know what you guys and what everybody knows and what they think this this man is, but he's the real deal. He lo- He's somebody that loves to hunt. Uh, just like Tom McMillan, who was there, just like Eric Dunn that was there, just like Tom Powell that was there, just like Joe Dillian. Now, I wasn't there as a hunter. I was there as a guide. But, you know, uh, you know me, Gilbert. I'm real quick. I kind of watch people from the background, and, and, I, and I can put my little hunting, you know, measuring stick on people and figure sure. out, you know, you know, who who are people that you know you want to go with and <laughs> when you when you text me you're in camp with michael watt i'm like the bone collector michael watt at waddy you're like yeah and then sent me a text with his picture and then you know obviously sent me a hat from those guys look i've been i've, I've said this a thousand times i watched those guys since i've been a young man and you guys know i've turned turned 50 i kind of watched waddy coming up as a cameraman and working for bill jordan and i mean look that cat is his re- – them Booger Bottom boys from Georgia are the real deal. They're, I'm so proud that you got to hunt with those guys. You, you know what? I'm a Backwoods Carolina boy, and they're just yep. like that, man. They're, they're guys that I, – I think that dude would be jumping around hunting squirrels just like I would. Oh, you know? For sure. So Cat was a national champion, you know, turkey collar. Turkey collar, turkey right. Turkey collar foundation. I mean – yeah unbelievable turkey collar and anything that he can call he's down for man oh yeah i think if he could call toad frogs he'd be in and you know i think i saw him so much more pumped and happy and you know after after he hit that bull the hardest thing was is there were still some of us guys that were hunting so we worked to find that bull during the day um and then i had to take eric out and the guys had to take tom mcmillan out and you know 
Michael wanted so much to go with McMillan just so he could experience his hunt. Uh, yeah. It wasn't about him, and but yeah. he knew that he had something that he, you know, that he needed really to. needed to take care of. And sure. and I tell you what, that was a twelve-hour ordeal that most people wouldn't understand. A lot of people would have given up in the first hour and a half. And yeah. uh, I would just really, to me. Uh, the whole measure of those guys salt was their concern, their passion, and mm-hmm. how much they put into uh, ensuring that they had done their due diligence with that animal. And that, that meant a lot to me, you know? So I, I agree, man. It's just so cool. The, the people we met, you know, the whole month of September, uh, everybody that we've come in contact oh, with, whether man. we called them in or whether we walked <laughs> in on one of their calls. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, and, and then the the outpour of people and phone calls and letters that we've, you know, we've gotten from you know, people. I can't, yeah. I, I can't believe we passed over 40,000 downloads, Joe. I mean, just from yeah. where we started in March or whenever we started this thing. Man. <laughs> yeah. It's, We're blessed, you know, oh, blessed, no blessed guys, man, that these people like what we do so and you know we're gonna keep doing it too how cool is it gilbert these success stories that we're getting in and to me and to us as coaches that means more to me than me getting an animal you know and you know uh, you know when dylan's uh, you know sent stuff in there sent stuff in there and and i've even got a whole bunch of letters of people coming in that are saying and here's when you know you're, you're you're doing it right they're like god joe you know we learned so much uh we were so close and the experiences were so so cool, you know. And they're hungry now. I mean, can't they wait are, to get back. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. They're already uh, going three sixty and counting, three fifty and counting. You know? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Just no, we we marking them off every day here, partner. I promise you. Yep. Yep. You know, so can't wait guys, to get the bow back in my hand. Listen, y'all. If you're a listener and a subscriber. Thank you so, so much for following us. Like Gilbert said, we're over our 40,000th download, you know, for our podcast. And, you know, we started this puppy back February 20th. um, And you guys have heard us, man. I mean, we were excited with 30 downloads. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping up and down, you know, in two cities. (laughs) Spring and and Springer, you know, or wherever it was. (laughs) And, you know, we just want to thank you guys for all your support. But if you are a listener or if you watch our videos on the Elk Bros YouTube channel uh, and you are not a subscriber, please, guys, do us a huge favor. Look right now. If you're on our YouTube channel, go down there. You got that little red subscribe button right there. Click on that puppy, man, because I looked, Gilbert. We have, you know, out of all these people that are watching, about 35% are subscribers, about 60% aren't so if yeah. we could get that 60 percent subscribing that would be awesome for us and for sure. uh if i can only get 30 percent of that man just just to let us know that hey guys this is something i get value out of and, and we want to do right. that so and if you're listening to our podcast right now go ahead subscribe man and and look we are getting so some tremendous reviews you guys i can't thank you enough but i would ask one thing i, I would love to give you shout outs and you guys are using all these nicknames so there and i don't know what your name is or where you're from and uh you know we'd like to give you a shout out and you know if you don't know and you can't read how passionate we are about this you know uh gilbert my brother over here man is there's not a man with more passion and and you know uh, we've even i've had guys that have sent questions in from our mailbox gilbert that you know, especially when we were out hunting, I knew by the time their question came out, there's no way we could have, you know, gotten to it. So I was like, sure. I give them a call, you know, right. and, uh, and I've been, I've had conversations with several guys and that's just been so cool. I've met people all over the United States, man, yeah. I mean, from one side to the other. And, and guys, I hope you understand, you know, how much we appreciate that. And we try to demonstrate that, you know, I get these guys give it when, when I call them, they're like, I can't believe you guys are giving me a phone call. I'm like, dude, we just love hunting, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's, let's, let's hear what you got. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, the emails that I get to, you know, you, you kick to me and everything. And I get to 
send them back an email, guys sending their pictures with, you know, their successes or even some sorrow stories, you know, sure, that, hey, sure. man, but we're going to persevere, you know, endeavor to persevere. So man, I'm telling you, it's been, it's been awesome for me, you know, just to know that we had a little bit of, uh, uh, took a little bit of part of what their journey was, you know, when so. somebody sends me a letter, Gilbert, and he says that, and starts quoting stuff from our podcast yeah. that they were thinking when they were on a hunt. And, you know, uh, one of the, the guys that wrote the letter is there and he said, you know, that elk was coming in and all I kept hearing in my ear was Gilbert's voice going, you got to draw. I'm glad I was riding with you, partner. You know, <laughs> yep. look, I've had Joe riding with me for a long time in Chav, so I'm I'm hoping we can give some of that back, and it sounds like it's working. You know, I had a real close friend of mine uh, that's elk hunted with us uh, before. His name is Trey Kistler. He listened to the podcast, and he called me on the phone. He said, brother, it's guys like you that I'd ride the river with. You mentioned me in the, in your podcast and talked about my company and you know, you've always supported me since 1998 because I, I can't do things that I do without brothers like you. So look, man, it means the world to me to have friends and family like that, you know, and that, that actually do take time out of their day to listen to us. And guys, listen, we all, you know, most of us have some windshield time, man. We appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. We're going to keep putting out the content and having fun doing it. I had a guy that sent me an Instagram story the other day, and it's a video of him. He's out in his yard, and and he's shooting. He's target practicing. He says he says flinging some arrows while I listen to Elk Bros and and the Bone Collector. I'm like, man, how cool is that? You know, that's just, just be mentioned in the same you know in the same realm of the Bone Collector. Oh, not even close, but it's so that's humbling, cool. man. It is so humbling, and like you Very said, much. it's just cool. And uh, you know, guys, we hope that you enjoyed our live from Elk Camp series. you know the three podcasts because i'm telling you gilbert that was as real as it gets right there buddy when the thunder and the lightning and the (laughs) rain came on the last one i was like you can't you can't make that up in a hollywood studio right that was real deal (laughs) stuff man yeah uh it was coming down on our tarp and i thought that was just the best music and best closeout i mean no doubt we'd love to have brendan there with us but you know he had to things he had to take care of but man it was just epic the way that we got to shoot those last days and then you guys stay tuned and look at this epic footage we're going to have of these hunts it's going to be extraordinary for our you first. know and and we we hope you enjoy that like i said we're not we're not pros at this and we're going to try to uh, give you something that uh give you a feel and and maybe help hold you over till next season and let sure. you see what what it's like for us and uh we'll see well, how well that, that goes every day it's so cool yeah. you know yeah didn't you know every one of them i got a memory of and burned in my mind right 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 been able to be on but this one man it's going to live in infamy it's yeah yeah it's what it is our first time doing this and and i know we're going to get better at it and uh and stuff as we go and and so you guys stay tuned for all that and and thank you so much for all the emails and congrats people sent and you know because understand something look gilbert you know me i'm not much of a negative person man no. I mean, when, when there's something that comes out uh, and, and comes up, we find a workaround. We find yeah. a way to turn that lemon into lemonade. You know, sure. you just uh, all of that. And uh, it, it's funny because, you know, you see some things out there now that we're putting this stuff out in social media and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, there's a lot of people that look at things like uh, at what we did. And I've gotten things like, you know, they're hunting on a private land or game ranch, you know. So, Negative. Uh, you know, Negative ghost rider. Uh, <laughs> you only know. <laughs> yeah, that the area that uh, we hunted in this year um, was, I mean, it's it's not a high success area. It'll beat the heck out of you. Um, I'm proof it, of it. I'm beat up pretty it, good. It destroys equipment. It's as it's as friggin' real as it gets. And you know, and then I had somebody that said uh, there was something that said, "Well, this is not representative of a Western hunt. That those results aren't normal." And uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, I got news for him, brother. We aren't normal. You know, we we're extraordinary. There's no doubt. I mean, the stuff that we've pulled off. Uh, we're normal people doing extraordinary things, but that's what we do, Joe. That's what we coach, and so you know, we want guys to overachieve. Look, you know, I had somebody say something about, you know, uh, you know, something like that can't happen every year. So you should be giving people realistic expectations. Let me tell you something, y'all. Uh, th- th- this this boy comes from Podunk, Podunk, North Carolina. I live in little old Cimarron, New Mexico. 
I've coached kids here for 30 some years. I have never once put a limitation on what those kids could accomplish. I've never on myself put those limitations. And you want to talk about realistic expectations. Uh, you bear with me because I'm about to jump on you this know, soapbox, it's on, man. Preach on, <laughs> you want to talk about real, is it not realistic for somebody to go in the elk woods and to kill an elk? Is that not a realistic expectation? Because if it's not, I don't know why you guys are doing it. I don't know why people would be practicing. I don't know why they would put themselves out there. It is as realistic as it gets. Now, if people are telling me to tell other people to lower the bar, Mm -mm. you know, I'm not no. built that way, man. No, because we're here to raise the bar. No, yeah, and it, that's what they're saying is is to tell people, look, be happy with being mediocre. Be happy, <laughs> get satisfied with. And and I'm not built that way. I've mm-hmm. I, I've always said, you know, well, the game to compete. Know, yeah, yeah. The game don't know. You know, no. they don't know how hard it is. The game does. The the elk don't know how hard it is, and and nobody else knows how hard it is. You just put the work in, and, and you expect the result because you've done that. And you know? it is totally realistic. And, 100%. you know, I do not walk in the elk woods without feeling each and every time that it's going to happen now is going to happen today because it's realistic because guess what? It happens. That's real. We, yeah. we, we, we've done that. Okay. Oh yeah. We, we, look, we, there's not a, there's not a day that I don't step in the elk woods with you or even by myself when I'm hunting by, that I didn't feel like I could, if I found an elk, he's in a lot of trouble, right? Sure. I mean, and I can call to him. He's in a lot of trouble. Or if I can cut the wind and get around him, he's in a lot. It's because of the, of the training that I've had with you guys. Right. So sure. when I set those expectations on myself, you, you would expect that out of me, especially as my caller or my guide, right? You'd expect that out of me and have come accustomed to expect, expect that. out. Totally. Of me. So totally. I don't want to let you down either. So when I'm held to that kind of standard, and I hold you to that kind of standard, we're all held accountable, right? And there's nothing wrong with us portraying that success to be real. It is 100% real and expected Definitely. where we're at. Now, listen, okay. we might show up and the animals not be there, right? Sure, so, sure. man, that'd be tough. But I guarantee you we know enough about the area we're hunting to make adjustments. And we did. Sure. And, and that's the thing is, 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 look, guys, nothing, it is hunting. Nothing is guaranteed. There's all these variables. But, you know, uh, that is realistic that there's variables, that there's weather, that animal, all of these things that can happen. But you can teach yourself to overcome that. You can keep grinding and getting by that. You can, you can change methods. You can change all, all, you know, go to different plans, different strategies, different areas, you know. Joe, I, look, I'm telling you the way we hunted this year was so far different from what I thought we were going to have to do. Sure. I'm serious. When I saw the level of those acorns and where it was going to be at, right, shit, right. I knew where we needed to go, right? Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. Curveball, right? <laughs> Change yeah. up. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to be ready for that. Sure. Where we didn't think we were going to hammer it, it it was all over with. I mean, <clears throat> the weather was horrible. It was hot, uh, but the bulls didn't care. They were smoking up there. If right? if you found the bulls with a hot cow, cow and that, right. that was key. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of variables, guys. Sure, but we went through that quick, though, man. It was yeah. just matters of hours, so we could figure that out. And, that, and that's awesome experience, and and that's right. why we're doing this. That's why you guys are listening because you're trying to straighten out that curve a little bit. And yep. and and I'm just telling you this: is it a real expectation for you to be able to come out west and come out here and kill an elk as real as it gets right there? They live there. Yeah. So it's as real as it gets, man. So, um, so I just wanted to get that off my chest a little bit and tell you that, you know, um, I got you back, Joe. We, we've been fortunate, you know, fortunate enough to just about every year, we should be just about a hundred percent out there. And, and are, are we lucky? Well, I tell you what, luck is nothing but skill and opportunity meeting. And if you yeah. develop your skills, and then you create your opportunities, then you have a realistic occurrence. <laughs> and that's going to be you Agreed. taking an elk. So, Agreed, man. Yeah. So, so I, I, all right, I'm, I'm stepping down off my box, okay? So now, <laughs> so now, Gilbert, it's all about October. 
Joe first. We oh, got it's got to be all about our grinders out there. You oh, know what time right. it is, bro. Yeah, yeah right? I forget, man. It's our shout Elk out Bro shoutouts time, brother. Yeah. If you you guys are new to our show, this is just shout out to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. Yep, there you go. And you know what? Uh, so I look at the stats all the time on this. <laughs> you know, just one yeah. of those things. Right? He texted me all the time. We hit this number. We yeah, were yeah, like, yeah. oh, my gosh. And, and what I want to tell you is, is there some of y'all that in your cities and towns that do not come up on the stats? Uh, so, uh, you know, for example, little old Cimarron, I know I listen to our podcast every now and then. Yeah, me too. It, it don't never show up. So right. what happens is in some places, the way that it works with, uh, with the Internet, you actually get thrown into a big city in your area or you come up as unknown. Yeah. And I don't want you to be friggin' unknown. So <laughs> it, I'm having a big shout out to all you rurals out there, all those guys that are in small town USA, those guys that, like myself, everybody considers a little podunk, but uh, <laughs> I, I just want to tell you, you know, uh, send a letter from what town you're in, I will give you a doggone shout out. If you have a little town, send us something interesting about it, you know, a little information that we can do that, and we will give you that shout, shout on out. here. So that's, that's exactly what we want to do. So uh, I'm putting that out first. And now we'll go to our charts that we actually have something on. And Gilbert, topping the chart this week, it's no wonder outdoor enthusiasts love to live here. This town has 1,400 acres of green space and not five, not six, but 200 miles of trails. Man. So, but what you might or might not know is that the only man in U.S. history convicted of cannibalism, Alfred Packer, <laughs> is buried here. Man. <laughs> he is Lord. celebrated in song, musicals, and a string of sights along Colorado's Cannibal Trail. Wow. And this is what, in what is the thing to be known for? <laughs> Littleton, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's kind of eerie being in October oh. here, Joe. <laughs> oh, this happened back in the day, you know, this guy it was is back in the day, you know, uh uh 1700s and sure. the guy was, you know, a pioneer going across pushing through the mountains with some guys and uh, I think things got a little tough and and uh, hmm. I I think his partners looked a little better than starving so <laughs> oh lord have mercy i hope i never right lord help me jesus <laughs> i don't have to do none of that all, all right. right next up joe hey don't be looking at me either bro look <laughs> <laughs> my, my good damn jeans <laughs> oh lord <laughs> nickname the cherry city joe it's the third largest city in oregon and it lies on the 45th parallel which means it's located exactly halfway between the north pole and the equator and that town is salem oregon salem another oregon town man yeah, in the man. top listeners guys man. uh love having you guys listen man and uh I, and i got news for you i told you gilbert i've me and my wife drove through oregon love there, there's a state that's a lot like new mexico to me other than all that beautiful jungle on the coast, you start coming more towards mid. It's yeah. just a beautiful state. And, y'all, if you have not been to Crater Lake uh, in Oregon there in uh, the southern, you have missed something because that is one of the, to me, that's one of the world's greatest sights to see. It's incredible. So Yeah, beautiful place. So next up on the list, this city's name means table. Snowbirds flock here. Buck Owens grew up here. The Cubs trained here. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure in Wayne's World were filmed here. And during the summer, y'all, with an average temperature of 106, your air conditioner might just become your best friend. No doubt. Mesa, Arizona. Mesa, Arizona in the house. Yeah, that's hot, Joe. I remember <laughs> a buddy of mine lived in Phoenix, and he bet me 100 bucks. You could fry an egg on the sidewalk. I didn't believe him. I lost my money. Man, I have never, and he cracked that egg open. I mean, it was like putting it in a frying pan, man. I'm oh, like, man. wow, it gets hot there and oh, dry. You know? People don't come out during the day. They come out at <laughs> night there. Man. I don't like, blame them. I don't blame them. Listen, I bow hunted this past weekend in 103 degree heat. I don't know how and you I'm did telling that, you, it was, it was, it was just miserable. That, that you know, we had some guys, it. <laughs> it really did. We had some guys come in for a management hunt. And I told them y'all come back in November. 
<laughs> it was brutal, you know. <clears throat> Next up, Joe, what started in 1903 with a population of about 200 people, this neighbor and suburb of Boise has grown to almost 100,000 people. So this once tiny town farm has exploded in the fastest growing community in the state. At one time before the community had a high school, high school seniors had to ride the interurban, uh, an electrical commuter uh, like a railway uh -huh. to finish their last year of school in Boise. And this is in Meridian, Idaho. Meridian, Idaho. Right. I, you know, I, I love getting, uh, I've had a lot of people calling me from Idaho and uh, you know, they have, they have some little extra things they have to deal with, with those wolves up there. And, mm -hmm. and so they end up with a lot of interesting things that happen with those elk. And I love, I, you know, y'all out there, you guys have really um, helped make the West a lot smaller place for a lot of us. So pretty cool. Yeah, no, you know, Joe, I saw some, some uh, headlines from a, a ranch called Broadmouth Canyon in Idaho. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh, the bulls they have on that Oh really, ranch. man? 500 inch bulls, Joe. Oh, I'm like, oh my what? God. Oh, what? Joe, it's, it's the craziest Somebody thing. Somebody test seen. those boys. I want to, I want a blood test. <laughs> man, I don't know what kind of jello they're feeding them rascals down there, but I'm telling you, I want some of it, man. Lord have mercy. Yeah. It's some crazy uh, bulls. So, so I got to ask, is that a high fence that they're doing? You, that? you, you know, Joe, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just yeah. saw them up on some social media and I right, would right. probably think so. Right. Right. I'm not a hundred percent. So don't quote me on that. Yeah. All right. So last but not least located 7,200 feet above sea level. It has the highest capital in the U S the oldest government state capital in the nation, the oldest church in the U S and the oldest house in the U S People just say this place is old. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and if you come here to the end of the El Camino Real, the Royal Highway, you are most likely at some point to be asked this question, y'all. Red or green? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's right? Cool, I love Santa Fe. The architecture there and everything's really cool. So, so why? Do you know why you're going to be asked red or green, Gilbert? I would imagine for the chilies. There you go, bro. Yeah. Uh, yep. In, in New Mexico, what I know about New Mexico, the reds or green uh, chilies, you know, are, are big deal over there. So what it is, is actually the green chili and the red chili are the same chili. Right. So a, a green chili is when the pepper is, is still basically the piece of fruit pepper, you know, and, uh, and then if you let it dry, it turns red. And then they take that and they grind that up and, and that you get your red chili. And people say that the green chili is a little hotter than red chili. You know? I like it all. I don't discriminate. <laughs> well, I like them all. So I'm going to help you all out. If you ever come to New Mexico and people ask you red or green, they're going to think you're a local if you tell them this. Christmas. <laughs> Both, baby. <laughs> Both, baby. There you go. All right. When we ate, when we ate in the, uh, at the, what was that? The, the hotel there, the St. The St. James Hotel in Cimarron. St. James Hotel mm -hmm. there. Yeah. They had a, that, they had red and green chilies on that hamburger we had. Oh man, that was solid. Oh. That hamburger, man. Yeah. I mean, New Mexican, good, New Mexicans are nuts about their chili and it's always red or green. You Unbelievable. Know? Really yep. good. So Joe, like yep. you said, brother, it's early October. There we go. Where so we that's go what's up next, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Rifle man. hunts. Rifle hunts. Uh, you know, the topics that are out there, can you still call elk? I'm going to let you lead right into that, Joe. So guys, yeah. Uh, understand something, man. Um, right now, uh, today. So, uh, when this podcast comes out, um, we are right there just around, um, the 9th of October, right, right around that time. And so what you're looking at here is, Generally, in this time, the big bulls are starting to split off. But y'all, man, um, there is, again, remember, the rut and how bulls react are all about cows coming in estrus. Mm -hmm. And when they come in that first estrus, if they're not bred, they come in a second time. If they're not bred, they come in a third time. So 
uh, even though those bigger bulls are splitting off, those satellite bulls are jumping in, and they're still screaming going on. There's still yes. bulls pushing cows around. There's yeah. still bulls scent-checking cows. And like you said, Gilbert, this time between, you know, the 2nd of October till right around the 10th of October and even beyond, oh, those yeah. elk are bugling, man. And It's crazy. I yeah. was fortunate enough to do some muzzleloader hunts. Uh, with the late Carl Gamage, many of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, when we'd come in that first week in October, it was, I mean, I've never seen that many bulls bugling in one place. And, you know, even satellite bulls and being able to call them was not a problem. Every day we called in bulls. Sure. Right? No. So, and you can get closer to them than you think. Uh, I mean, you know, with a muzzleloader, we needed to be within a couple hundred yards, 250 yards, but it was nothing to call them in within 80 to 100 yards. Sure, definitely. So, uh, guys, yes, you can still call them, but it's totally it, – now you're not necessarily worried about calling these in to 30 yards anymore. Right. Yeah. So, what all you're really <laughs> needing to do is get those bulls to sound off and locate them so that you can get yeah. a high vantage point, that you can cut get a good distance. look, cut that distance, and make that shot. So, yes, yeah. they're they're definitely – going and that that feeds right into our our next question here is what are the best ways to get on a bull now well um best way is a relative term Mm -hmm. um but for me the best way and the most fun for me is to chase bugles man i just i love hearing and again now you got to ask yourself am i after a a giant herd bull bull, or am i you know uh after one of the uh, a a smaller satellite bull or sometimes not that small of a satellite bull because you know (laughs) you know what i'm saying right yeah look i you know some of my buds steve tucker comes to mind he's shot at some giant satellite bulls right sure Uh, and look man it was simple i mean i just started cow calling in some areas that were known to have some bulls around it and i mean real light slow you know light cow calls and they just they sound off immediately and come roaring in there you know? oh definitely uh within 100 yards and i mean it was it was pretty epic and it, so it taught me that look you didn't need to make a big ruckus just a few little simple cow calls and it was on you know yeah there you go and and i'm going to tell you a story so that you guys can understand kind of percepts this a little bit but before i do that you said 100 yards gilbert so one of those tips out there y'all is um when you're out there hunting during that rifle season and, and you're chasing those bugles or you're putting some calls out there, make sure that you dial down that scope, man, because oh, man's great, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, I've had guys, man, that have that scope dialed up animal comes can't in hundred yards and they can't find them, you know? So yeah. I would rather find that animal and, and dial it. into it than yeah. to totally lose it. So that's just a tip right there off the top of my head. Yeah, but, We leave ours on four, Joe, uh, mm-hmm. four power. And then, you know, that way you got a big, broad view of everything, and then you can dial him right up. You know? Exactly. Uh, but exactly. it helps also when you're in closer quarters, they can pick him up pretty easy. Right, right. For and sure. So here's a story, though. When we talk about bulls and the size of them, I got to, we got to see this and experience this uh, on our last hunt, that there was an old, mature 5 by 5 Basically, what that meant was he was on the downgrade as far as his horns went. But I tell you what, as far as attitude and kicking other bulls' butts, he was at the top of his game. This dude, this guy came into a water hole, and uh, other big herd bulls, these other bulls are bringing their cows over there, coming in to take his cows. He would go up into the woods kick one of those bulls butts i mean just knock the crap out of them take their cows away bring them down to his cows right get them all gathered up another bull oh go off go up into the trees kick that bull's butt yeah and bring the and and bring those cows he ended up with about 150 cows wow right 150 cows and then one of those bulls so i want you to listen to this y'all one of those bulls came down out of the woods, came into the water, and was shot by a bow hunter. And that bull that got whipped by that mature five-by-five bull scored 392. Woof. Wow, that's a giant, man. Oh, my Lord. That is a giant bull. Yeah, but cool. got his butt whipped by the guy 
you know, that, that was had the experience. Horn wise, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was inferior horn wise, but I tell you what, he knew what he was doing when it came to intimidating and fighting. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you are. Bad so, attitude and in, in the in the butt to go with it. There you go. Yeah. So some of these guys that have been having to defend all those cows all this time that are splitting off to recover are not, you know, uh, the other bulls that are left that are going to jump in sometimes are really good, good bulls. So yeah. if, if, if you are just looking to get any bull at this time of year, guys, you guys heading out this week, go chase a bugle man go chase a bugle because if you are hearing not only just that one bugle but you're hearing other screaming happen around that bugle there are still hot cows happening and that means that there's other bulls that are trying to scent check and trying to breed and it lights up a canyon man It, it really does right and and it doesn't you know that that cow's going to be in heat for 14 hours so yeah. man things can go berserk really really quick so to me the best way for you right now to get on a bull is listen for those bugles get out there really early um you know uh listen to that bugle get on it get a high point get a vantage point stay on the downwind side Make you know plan, and yep. and you get into them and it's a it's such a fun hunt to ch- no doubt to chase those bugles like that man so um next question is what if I am hunting cow elk? And, and guys, some of these questions are, have come in from some of our, our, our listeners. And this one, uh, Michael Krausen sent in. He's from Arkansas. And, uh, you know, he heard all the stuff we were saying. And, and we saved some of these questions because we saved them for the right time of year. But, you know, he's asking if we had any rifle season cow elk tips. Well, it was <laughs> funny, Gilbert, because – what have we been telling everybody if they want to find the bulls in September, what do you got to find? You got to find the cows. Got to find the cows. Exactly. <laughs> so this guy writes me a letter, Michael does, and I, and I respond to him and I say, well, Michael, now if you want to find the cows, you got to find the bulls. <laughs> oh, man. He's like. <laughs> we are blowing his mind yeah. and he, he he writes back he said you know what i thought you were gonna say that you know but <laughs> but it's so true okay so right now if the bulls have got the cows herded up right if they're pushing around which they do mm-hmm. then all you got to do again is listen for those bugles, bugles. right now yep. right and you're going to find the cows so the yep. bulls are telling you exactly where the ladies are right now so uh, yeah, and don't forget these guys are still slaves to their bellies, man. You know, those food sources and stuff like that, those cows and the bulls both are going to be around them. You know, especially they, after they've been running all night and stuff like that, some of them want a little bite to eat and lay down for a few minutes. You know, they'll get out in those parks and, you know, lay down, especially in, in the evenings and, and nighttime, and then catch them getting up out of their bed early in the morning and going sure. up, you know. Sure. So, for sure. I mean, it's real important to do your glass work. And uh, as things are cooling off, as Montana's getting 40 inches of snow, people, people start to wonder, well, what does that, you know, do I still worry about thermals? What, what does that do with thermals? And, and guys, sure. when you're rifle hunting, you have something beneficial happening for you called distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That really no doubt, helps. man. <laughs> yeah, you can shoot him canyon to canyon. <laughs> yeah, it really helps with that. But understand, too, that you, you know, if you want to understand thermals, if you end up with a cold day or you're on snow, uh, it's keeping that ground temperature low. And all you got to do is picture somebody putting dry ice in a bowl of water. And that's exactly what's happening. It's a lot of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's going to stay low. It's going to stay falling down unless you end up on the side of a hill, you get the sun coming out that warms that air up enough to get that going up. That's why a lot of these animals now are going to be, if there is snow, y'all, they're going to be on those on those southern or western slopes. They're going to be where that snow gets thinned out, you know. Uh, they might go and bed on that northern side. They might just bed right there on those southern slopes, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the side there. So uh, the thermals are still going to benefit them if you try to come to them from the top and it's cool weather, you got snow on the ground because it's going to fall down. So you got to think about that. What you want to do is make sure that you're the same level or a little higher than the animal. And you want to be at the distance where you have a good vantage point and you're not, 
you're not letting your scent fall down to them. That's and, right. Yep. Keep them totally unknowing, you know, on, on that. Um, Zach Reiswig from Idaho. Um, Zach has, has sent some things into us before and, uh, and he was really concerned because, you know, he was taking a look at his hunt um, and he knows that he's going to be hunting when there is snow happening. And he heard about this storm that was coming in. So what he was interested in is what effect snowfall will have finding on the elk, you know, will have on finding elk. Because when you have a whole lot of snow early like that, uh, does it push them down even lower? You know, where should they focus? Where should they look to look for the animals? And, um, and it, it's most definitely you know, yes, it is. If that snow gets deep, it is going come to come out of it. Yep. They're, they're going to go down to where they can get to grass, that, that they can get to feed. And um, Zach, your best bet, and, and guys, everybody out there, is what's so great about the snow is, again, you get to a high vantage point, and now you're using those binos. There's, they, you know, those tracks show you where those animals are. You bet. And I mean, it's so funny because you can be where a snowstorm just got done and it looks like there's nothing in the country. And then you come out in the morning and it's just like, yeah, like a herd of Buffalo went through there. Oh yeah. And it tells you really quick where they're feeding and you can tell where they're feeding and you can tell which sides they're going up on and you just use those glasses and they're going to stand out on those side of those hills. So, um, yes, they are going to push down, man. And those Canyon bottoms that have good grass are some of the best places to find them, you know, uh, when they're doing that feeding and they're, they're going to find grasses on the side of the hill. Again, those burns, uh, especially in lower areas where they can still get to that or on that on the south side are fantastic areas. And you want to be, um, when the sun's coming up, you want to be able to always have the sun at your back when it's going down at your back because it will make those animals glow wow. when you're looking for them with those binos. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man, it really does that. And, the, you know, the glint off their antlers, everything, man. I mean, they, they just stand out for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for I'm sure. really excited for the rifle hunters out there. This is a yeah. super fun time of year. I mean, it's getting ready to get a little bit tougher right now to find a bull. Mm-hmm. Um, once you hit this end of October, you know, that beginning of November and stuff when those bulls bail Close off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be tougher to find a bull because a lot of them are going to bail. Now, some of those smaller bulls are still going to stay with some cows, and and some of them guys are going to bugle every now and then through December, but it's not going to be something where they're responding back to you. Right. No doubt. But Joe, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to a real good friend of mine, loves the elk hunt, Justin Howe, killed his first bull. His This is his fifth year hunting, right? <clears throat> He's – He's had some ups and downs like we've all been through, but Justin got it done in Colorado uh, last week and uh, ended up killing a nice five-by-five with his bow at like 35 yards. But he told me a story that I think everybody's going to get a kick out of. He actually watched his five-by-five and a giant bull fighting, okay? Right. And they heard these bulls fighting. That's how they knew that they were there. So they ran down there and – to the to their dismay, they get down there and there is a bull laying dead in the middle of this park. Okay, just uh-huh. laying dead, and they're like, "How in the world did this bull die?" And then so they started calling, and the five by five came in, and they he ended up taking him. But this bull was a lot smaller than the bull that died. The bull that died is like a three sixty bull, Joe. Okay, right. It broke its neck in the fight. So it I had I have seen neck. that I've seen that several times, man. Unbelievable. I've seen that several times. They had to call the game warden to him come out there and you know, they're <laughs> like, Look, if y'all want to tag him, y'all y'all can tag him, you know. Otherwise you gotta leave him alone. Uh, you, you know what they call that, don't you, Gilbert? <laughs> you know, that, that, that's that's what you call a twofer. <laughs> no doubt, man. Unbelievable. But I wanted to give a shout out to my brother Justin ah, Howe. Awesome. We, we deer hunt in South Texas together and Oh, man, so proud for him and his journey, elk hunting, man. He's put the work in, and uh, we're proud for him. 
Congratulations, Justin. Man, we're mm -hmm. real happy for you, dude. You so, Gilbert, let's go to our Elk Rose mailbox, man. Yes, sir. All right, because there's some great questions here. And, and guys, um, who we have in the lineup? We got we got Dean Bershinger here. Um, we've got Ben Thompson and Zach Fisher from Pennsylvania. And uh, we just want to give you the lineup because if we don't get through everybody, we're going to put that to our next one. Uh, yeah. Because Dean's is actually, it's it's a long question and and it's a great question because a lot of guys don't think about stuff like this and 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 i'm just gonna uh, let me just tell you what he says he says um uh he's going on a hunt in colorado during the fourth rifle season with an either sex tag he is super nervous about the weather though he's planning to set up a base camp and then spend one or two nights out in the back country before coming back down to resupply he says he has a good zero-degree bag, but he's worried it's going to get so bad cold in the high country. Um, and, and he's wondering if we have any tips on how to handle super cold weather during the hunts because he's worried that being mid-November, the creeks are going to freeze, and he's worried about packing in water because of the possibility of it freezing. And, you know, guys, water's a must. You've got to have that. And he says sure. he's a – He's to a gallon to a gallon and a half guy in the winter. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's looking for tips on that. And I tell you what, when you're hunting and you're out there, you could be, you could be that two gallon guy. So, yeah. um, so I, Dean, there's, there's some things. And for all you guys, here's, here's some things that, that we recommend to you. All right. Number one, first of all, um, we talked about having these on our hunt just to help pack out. If you were out there in bad weather and anything, make sure you have trekking poles, okay? Um, you need to stay safe around water because if you get wet out there, it could be life-threatening. So, guys, ice on moving creeks and rivers is super thin. If there's ice that has snow on it, it's been insulated, makes it even thinner. So, especially when you have to get near water to get water, uh, to dip a Nalgene uh, bottle or something, you don't want to go down and put yourself on that. What you want to do is use that trekking pole to, mm -hmm. to break that and then to dip that down inside that water. Uh, keep yourself so that you are not in a situation to make it life-threatening. So those trekking poles are going to come in handy in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, Joe, uh, I saw some, you know, I know some guys that have done a bunch of survival stuff like that. Also, if you if you just have to cross a body of water that's thin like that, right. you know, a lot of guys will cut them a pole. You know, they'll cut them a little bow from a, from a small sapling and they cut it about eight foot long and they hold it above their head when they cross that, oh, when they cross geez. that body of water in case you break through, you know, <laughs> well, that I, thing, I got... you grab a hold of it and, and you can get out of that. Hole Dude, that you're, you're up in the high country and you have that eight foot pole, yeah. uh, you know, look y'all, if you have to put a pole over your head because you're worried about breaking through, yeah. you find yourself another route and hunting a different <laughs> direction. Yeah. No because i've i've done that and and luckily uh i ended up going into in minus 18 degrees ended up going in uh up to my chest uh got out you know uh rolled in snow froze up my outside as fast as i could luckily i was only three quarters of a mile from a vehicle and dude my large muscles started to lock up in a matter of minutes and and i was very very fortunate that you know uh, that could have been a real bad situation and luckily i have my pack with my stuff in it that i got news for you if i had to i'd have lit half the forest on fire because i wouldn't <laughs> die but you know hypothermia you know, can make you do crazy things for sure and i think another great thing is to have you a jet boil in your pack oh definitely that thing mm -hmm. can get water boiling really fast. It can, you know, create fire for you really quick. Um, I just think it's a perfect thing to have if you're going to do these backcountry deals, you know. So when we talk about water, a big issue for people that aren't carrying, the, you know, that don't want to pack it in is water purification. And that's one of the reasons I bought up the trekking pole is if mm -hmm. you got to get water out of a creek or something like that, that trekking pole is great for doing that. But um, part of the purification problem is, is that filters now that were good during the summer will freeze and crack. So guys have to use other methods. And, and some of the methods that you can you are like uh, are like chemical methods like the uh, the aquamira aquamira there that you can use that um 
that's uh, that's one thing that you can use out there. Um, another good winter alternative is uh, ultraviolet light. They make those ultraviolet pens that sure. do small amounts. Uh, but the thing that you have to remember with those is that in clear water up in the hills where you're in that backcountry, it's really great at neutralizing bacteria, protozoa, and viruses and stuff, but it's not going to remove any particles or organic matter. Sure. So that's why you want to make sure that it's clear, good stuff. You can't do like you do with those filters where you're pumping through nasty water and getting everything out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So well, and if all, and always, if you got your jet boil, you can boil water, you know. Sure. And if you can boil water, it's going to be pure, you know. You know, just skim off the top of the stuff that comes up off the top, and man, that water that's left in your jet boil is, you know, it's pure. So let's talk about carrying water for in those winter conditions like that, man. So you guys, your camel, your camelback tubes aren't aren't, aren't going to work for you because they're going to freeze up. So you really need to go with a wide mouth Nalgene when you're when you're up there and and multiples on them. Uh, here here's some tips for that. Carry your water bottles upside down because water at the top freezes first and it'll keep your lids from freezing up. Um, you. Uh, you can use wool socks or bottle insulators to, to help with that. And the other thing is, is like Gilbert was saying with the jet boil, if you can heat that water, put it in that Nalgene as hot as possible. And that's going to do a few things that, you know, you can keep it close to your body. It'll yep. keep you warm. It's going to keep it from freezing um, and, uh, and keep it longer for you. Uh, another big thing is before you head out, prehydrate. Yeah as much as possible yeah. you know if if you start getting headaches or dizziness kind of like what you know uh hypothermia looks yeah like, like yeah. what brandon was going through you know sure. I mean, altitudes poisoning yeah. yep. well yeah or if you're dehydrated mm -hmm. you start getting those headache and dizziness that's a warning sign that you're dehydrated there so yep. um warm water put it in a bottle and you know when you're sleeping in your sleeping bag put it in the bag with you again sure. It warms you up. It helps to keep that water from freezing inside there. And I would suggest to uh, Dean that limit yourself to one night out. Um, and the reason I say that, Dean, is that when you do a two-night deal, sometimes you get in a little deeper than you should. When you know that you're only going to be in for one night and coming back to that base camp, you're not going to go in as deep and, uh, you know, uh, that's just a suggestion if you're not somebody that is real comfortable with being out there in those extreme cold weather conditions like that. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know whether Dean's using a tent or whether he's using a lean-to method or how he's sleeping on the he, ground with a ground pad. Or Well, I'm uh, sure, I'm, you know, and from what I gather from him, I'm sure he's using tent, ground pad, okay. zero bag, yeah. um, because, you know, he does worry about the extreme temperatures. But, sure. you know, another thing he can do is when he – creates his campsite avoid low-lying campsites because remember cold air collects in the valley bottoms yeah. um the south southwest facing slopes get the you know they get the sun last during Perfect. the day that's right yeah and uh so that that's something to to think about there well, also if, if he has ahead. him a campfire he can he can use the coals from that campfire digging a little hole where his you know, where he's going to be, where his bag is, and he can put those coals in there and cover them up with dirt, and that helps to warm that ground that you're going to be sleeping on that can keep you comfortable. you got to be right. careful with all that because you don't want to burn a hole in anything. But, look, we've done it several times, you know, and it'll right. keep you warm. Those coals stay warm a long time. And I'll tell you another big one is about your boots, man, because mm -hmm. nothing will get you chilled more than anything. Put cold boots on your feet, be freezing. Yep. So make sure, you know, you slip them in a stuff sack and, and, and store them in your sleeping bag with you mm -hmm. to keep them warm for the morning. Okay. Yep. And I would always, if you're going to go in that back country, make sure in those kind of conditions, make sure you have some, uh, some portable heat packs, you know, yep. That, that you can get warm with <laughs> for sure and man you know make sure somebody knows where you're at dean and if you got a sat phone keep it with you if you get in trouble you can get some help you know the coolest thing gilbert um uh, chad hashen i receive uh an email from chad hashen that it wasn't from him he had an in reach 
Oh, and, cool. And, and when he got his animal, he pushed and said, you know, send this to, to my email address. And I get this, uh, I get this in reach text with a map that says, you know, it's me, Chad, I got my bull right here, you know? And I mean, that's too cool, man. And I mean, it shows exactly where you're at. And, you know, for people that are going to be out there, you know, yeah. uh, Dean, if you're going to be out by yourself, I would not travel in those type of year without something like an in reach. Yep. And, uh, and awesome. so th that's an idea for you. Uh, our next question comes from Ben Thompson from Utah. And, uh, Guess what? I got, you saw it, Ben, you know, on his elk hunt, uh, yes, uh, ended up getting his bull this year. Uh, in fact, him and his brother, they got the, both of them got an elk. And uh, so I was super excited for him, but I had received this question and actually gave him a call to answer up his question because he was going to be up in the hills. Right. But it, it, his question, Gilbert, was how can you tell what aggression level the bull is at based on his bugle he says i've heard several professional callers talk about how there's more emotion in this call or that but what does that mean exactly so he's Great like question yeah mm -hmm. yeah i mean look you I mean we we had a lesson of that this year joe you you said hey what is what is that bull saying you know can you can you figure out what he's saying i mean is it straight location or is he angry i mean look right. the bull you called in for me we really didn't think he was all that fired up until we started hearing him glunk a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, we know what that's all about. Let's see what happens. Y'all get back in that flying V and see what we can do. Right. So, right. I mean, so, it was all about reading his, his vocal language. You know, and, and what I do, what, what I tell people is it's kind of like this, you know, um, emotion in a call is just like with human beings, you know, if I'm calling Gilbert here and I say, hey, Gilbert, how's it going, man? You know, I'm pretty even keel. But as soon as I start going, Gilbert. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Gilbert. More insistent, higher yeah, pitch. You get, yeah. You get more tone, you know, got more rasp. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that's why I mean, you, when you think about somebody, if a guy comes up to you and say, well, Gilbert, I really don't appreciate you doing that. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's, there's not a whole lot of aggression in that, but come here, God dang it, man, I yeah. told you. you <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you start hearing that anger in the voice and it's that the same scream. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That scream, that blood curdling. I mean, you can hear it in that voice where they really get they, down. They on add them. that rasp. Yes. They go to that high pitch soon yeah. right away. I mean, they, they basically scream, you know, angry. When, yeah, it's, yeah it's, and you can hear it. It's that angst in their bugle, you know. Right. Um, it's and, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And then listen, it's getting closer. So it's like, uh oh, we got we got some stuff going on here, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you yeah. just gotta. I think listening to enough bugles, you can hear the location bugle. You can hear the, you know, the roundup bugle, and then you can hear one that's a challenge bugle. Right. Well, and, yeah. And, and, and a lot of them, like, for example, and he asked, he said, can you go over the nitty gritty of the different types of bugles and what they mean? Yeah. You know, cause he said, maybe it's the volume or the raspiness or the length or the roughness. Well, not maybe it totally is guy. You hit it on there. No you know, um, you know, when, when a bull is, uh, uh, when he's locating, it's, it's a nice long, and it goes to a high pitch whistle that, and it's nothing that, uh, is, is saying that, you know, I want to fight with you or right. anything like that. It's just, Hey guys, I'm right here. You know, kind of, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. an advertisement, you know, here's uh -huh. where I'm at. Yeah. But, and, and that's usually a long one, but when they start getting to those, uh, uh, challenge bugles, you know, they're going to be shorter. They're going to go to that scream. You're not going to hear everything in there. And they're, they're going to, you know, get that rough raspiness inside of that. And it's, it's and they'll like, cut you off. They'll oh, cut man. you off on your bugle. They'll cut you slap off and then you got to cut them slap. Off. And it makes it all aggravating then. Right. Right. And you know, they're really not they're, they're pissed off you sure. know, that you're there messing with their cows. And, uh, yeah, man, you can tell it just getting more and more insistent and, and raspier. And, 
And it's the same thing with the cow call, and but it's a yeah. little bit different. And it does, you know, when you hear, when people talk about that so-called estrus call mm-hmm. or the insistent call, mm-hmm. you know, when, when that cow's going, eh, like that, mm-hmm. it's, you know, again, it's just a conversational thing. When they start going, eh, eh, yeah. You know, when they start getting insistent yeah. and they add that, that, that rasp at the end, you know, that's when they're adding that emotion, that pleading or that, or mm. that listen to me now type yeah. thing. Right. I'm going to post something on Instagram and some people can see it here pretty quick, but I, I've watched a guy. It was horrible. The cow calling was, man, it sounded like a herd of cats, right? But this bull was fired up, brother. <laughs> I'm talking like he was mad, Jack. And it didn't matter what it sounded like. If it chirped, I mean, he was, I mean, just freaking mad, dude. And when he comes in there, his mouth is wide open, lip curling, and I mean, it is one of the coolest bugles in your face. And he's got crap hanging off of his head because he doesn't hit a tree. I mean, he's angry, you know. So it's uh, and it just goes to show you, man, you ain't got to be perfect, you know. You just got to oh. make a few sounds, and dude, when they're fired up, they coming, you know. When they, they get coming. like that, Gilbert, me and Chav were driving into an area trying to find a camp, going through this rough road and everything. Kind of got lost in the middle of all this thing. We get out and shut the truck door like that. (laughs) Not 50 yards off this bull's like, it's like, you know, oh my Lord. It's like a turkey gobble. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a turkey gobble when you slam the door. No, No, totally, man. Totally. Yeah. Um, So, Zach, uh, we're going to actually hit yours next time. We're pretty much on our hour right here where we got to get out of here. Guys, Please keep sending your questions in to us. Uh, there's some that uh, now it got a little crazy, Gilbert. I, I think I need a secretary, man, because I, I see where I missed a couple of emails. And, and guys, understand, I do go through this and I look and, and uh, we get so many things coming in that, that uh, if I've missed you, I'm going to keep going back and catch it and I'll try to respond to you. I try to respond to every email that I get. Um, I want to make sure you guys know that, uh, that, that we care about your questions and, and, and we want to have those conversations with you. So, you know, keep sending those questions in. For sure, guys. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Mm-hmm. You have to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review and check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And again, if you want to send us a question that we put here on our show, send it to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. Yep. Oh, one other thing, Gilbert, before you get off, man, on our elkbros.com site, there have been people that joined our camp there, and we send an email out every week with some information on that. Guys, if you have not been receiving that, it's most likely going to your spam. You need to check that and uh, and, and make sure that you clear for your email to receive from uh, elkbros.com, info at elkbros.com, okay? You bet, Joe. Unbelievable. Glad to be back on with elk bros and blue collar elk hunting. Uh, It was epic up in the mountains this September. We're looking forward to all our guys out there with rifles and smoke poles. Can't wait to hear all the successes and everything else. It's been been awesome to see all the reviews and everything that we've gotten and all the questions. Zach, we'll get to you next week for sure. Man, what an epic epic show and epic content that we've been able to put out joe oh it's Uh, been a blast man for joe in new mexico i'm gilbert ornelas here in spring texas we want all of our husbands to kiss their wives and wives kiss their husband hug your babies keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry and we'll see you next week right here on blue collar elk honey god bless y'all 